You're listening to the 20 Minutes a Day podcast, a Chemists Without Borders project. I am your host, Colin Yokanovich, and I serve as a digital media volunteer with Chemists Without Borders. This podcast is part of a larger initiative known as the Two Minutes a Day Project. The goal of the project is to build a community where individuals, chemists, and their networks, as well as anyone else interested, can share and discuss problems, propose solutions to those problems, and collaborate in order to have an impact. We believe that when we all think of an issue for two minutes a day, the focus and the concentration will become habit. Because when people will start to become more conscious and aware of the problems, whether that is a global problem or a local problem, we will all be driven to action. This show is designed to highlight change makers in the chemistry community everywhere. We hope to discuss how we can all work towards advancing humanitarian causes in the context of our deeply busy and often very scheduled lives. With the mission of two minutes a day in mind, We look to tell these stories through an incremental approach. Each episode will run for 20 minutes, with the intent of exposing our listeners to one humanitarian scientist per episode. The objective of this show is to cultivate a distinctly humanitarian mindset, and that is the goal of this show. We hope to address loosely how any citizen that is concerned about human welfare and concerned about the well-being of the planet can think and how we think is going to transform how we address these issues. We hope that by bringing on a diverse community of scientists, we can answer this question from many different perspectives. This week, we're joined by Dr. Rolande Hodel, the president and founder of AIDS Free Africa, an organization dedicated to ensuring that African nations and communities have the capability to access and produce life-saving pharmaceutical drugs. Dr. Hodel graduated from the City University of New York with a PhD in organic chemistry in 2005. She is also a recipient of the 2009 Estellas USA Foundation Humanitarian Award for her work with AIDS-Free Africa. AIDS Free Africa was founded by Dr. Hodel in 2005 following her graduation and has been operating primarily in the West African nation of Cameroon. We are so excited to have you on the show, Rolande. It's inspiring to see how you built AIDS Free Africa from the ground up with, you know, what I guess I could say is a international vision, but grounded in localized action. Um, you know, you're a chemist by training. And I was wondering if you could maybe speak to how your background in chemistry influenced your decision to enter the nonprofit sector after graduation. Actually, it was more like the, a decision to leave the corporate America. Um, yeah. I am a chemist and I've worked for uh, material science companies and I have worked for the pharmaceutical industry, specifically in um drug delivery of insulin and the work was interesting no question about it Um, but you know eventually you sort of hit a glass ceiling where the business people the lawyers actually make the decisions and not we scientists you know and it was always limited you go into your lab you do your thing 
I wanted to do something more international and really something where I can see the impact. That became then, you know, the choice was to, um, actually the idea was to help uh, people in Sub-Saharan Africa to produce drugs. And as a chemist, I know how to produce drugs. And I said, this might be a really interesting project for the next 10 years of my life, which now became 15 years. And, and we just signed up for another 10 years. And But after those 10 years, I will retire. <laughs> if, if you can live your life following something you created yourself, you know, I created AIDS Free Africa from scratch. I've done everything in this organization at least once, you know, before I hand that over to volunteers or in some in some cases to professionals. Um, but it's it, it's just fascinating, you know. You learn new things every day, and working with people in in a developing country is just fascinating, you know, because the, the gap is just so huge. You know, people who have never been in a developing country they cannot imagine how it is, you know. And um, yeah, people are, you know, it's it's very satisfying. So you started building AIDS Free Africa the very same year that you graduated with your PhD. Um, and I can only imagine that would be pretty crazy going from the, you know, academic environment to the world of nonprofits, which is completely different. What was it like when you first started the organization and started building those inroads in Cameroon, developing the relationships, identifying ways you could collaborate with people in Cameroon, etc., to bring about change? You know, it's fascinating, but back then um, I belonged to a group that's called Landmark Education, or these days they're called Landmark Worldwide. It's a group of people, actually, there are in dozens of countries, it's a corporation, that people are kind of like me, you know, we have crazy ideas, we have ideas that are really big, and we want to get them off the ground, and there's something like... in. you know, in yourself that, that, you know, that doubt that we all have naturally and to jump over that hurdle, you know, Landmark was just really very helpful for this. And, you know, they've coached me, you know, every athlete has a coach, right? Every football player has a coach. So why not, you know, why not people? And so they've coached me and um, together, you know, my coach said to me at some point, she said, you know, make it your homework to have a country in Africa. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Within three weeks, I had an invitation to come to Kenya and I had an invitation to come to Cameroon. You know, so if you just commit yourself to your own dream, you know, and that was sort of like the last little thing that was missing for me. I had this big dream and people were fascinated. I was at the United Nations speaking and this lady, she literally leaped across the podium saying, yes, give our children the jobs. This woman is from Cameroon, right? And she's a big lady over there. Um, Ruth Engel became my my good friend, you know. And yeah, you know, give our kids the jobs. And I'm kind of like, yeah. So, you know, creating jobs is, you don't find the sort of in the mission statement. It says it nowhere really, but everything we do has to create something that is permanent, something that creates more, and something that creates infrastructures and and real things 
in Cameroon. And, you know, we got stuck to Cameroon, which is perfectly fine. But, you know, it's kind of like, to this day, I I watch other nonprofit organizations that go from one country to another country. And I just can't imagine. We, instead of adding more countries, we kind of added more problems, more diverse problems. You know, we now run a malaria pro- prevention program. We run employment programs for women. You know, we send children to school. Right now we are supporting the soap industry in the country to make soap to to fight COVID, right? COVID-19, which is now in Africa. So we just add, you know, things. But our basic idea of, you know, creating jobs for these young people over there and to, to have a sustainable income for people, that is still, you know, all the bottom line. What are major obstacles that you faced in building this organization? For example, maybe how you worked within the legal and regulatory framework set up by the Cameroonian government. You know, getting the licenses to bring the infrastructure, the equipment, and the drugs themselves into the country. Yeah, it, it, it is a tremendous challenge. And um, there were so many of them. The, the, the beginning was, you know, when I first put this idea out, people would say, this can't be done. I heard that phrase for three years. It can't be done. And my only response was, watch me. I'm doing it. That's it. You know, you cannot deter yourself. You know, you cannot let anyone talk you out of it. Because once you're over this hump, but after three years, people stopped saying that, right? Imagine I would have given up, you know, in those first three years. It would have been a disaster. It's just the perception that the nice thing here in the United States, I'm a German citizen, right? So uh, besides being an American for a long time now, but here in America, you find enough people who support crazy ideas, right? And if you make the idea big enough, it has to be really big, right? Like drug production in Africa, constantly and permanently to adjust the, the ideas of people, how things are supposed to be to mold it into the direction of the purpose that works for you, you know, for us in AIDS in Africa. Even years later, when uh, when I, I came up with this uh, malaria-free zone program, and people were saying, but you're AIDS for Africa, you cannot do malaria. I said, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? I said, even Gates is saying, don't, the Global Fund was originally thought for HIV AIDS, right? Yeah. It was Gates who said, don't limit it to HIV AIDS. Let's take the three big killers, AIDS, malaria, and TB, and create a global fund. The global fund is a year younger than AIDS Free Africa. They came out almost at the same time, right? So amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I came to Cameroon, people were kind of like, people were dying of AIDS right and left. You know, then, and I walk in there and I say, my organization is called AIDS Free Africa. It was rounding in the room always. You know, they go, what? <laughs> the heads were flying right and left, and they're kind of like, they couldn't even think that way, that it could be possible, you know, to get a handle yeah. on. And, and our big deal was we at some point managed, it took us two years, uh, we got $80 million worth of AIDS drugs for Cameroon because the Cameroonians came to me and they said, doctor, we have no drugs. I said, why not? The Global Fund gives it to you. 
no, doctor, there are no drugs. So, you know, I go on the phone, I start digging around and try to figure out, call the Global Fund. And they're kind of like, yeah, they don't, they never know how many drugs they need. So they don't tell us what they need. So, you know, by the end of the year, they run out of drugs because nobody knows and the supply chain management is not there. And I'm kind of like, oh my God. So, but there was money. There was $230 million sitting around in the global fund and it wasn't used, you know. So I told the prime minister, the former prime minister of Cameroon loved us, right? He, he's now retired, but he was in power 10 years out of the 15 years that I was there. And I told him, I said, you have $230 million in the global fund. Why don't we use it? And he said, really, we have this money? I said, yes. And he goes, how do we get it? I said, we, we, we program it. What's that? So we reprogrammed the thing. We fought around with the Minister of Public Health, you know, and at the end I told him, I said, Mama Fuda signed the paper. And kind of going off our, our previous discussion, what are the biggest challenges facing your organization today and maybe some of the gaps that need to be filled? We, you know, we revamped Aids Free Africa a few times and adjusted, you know, once we learned. At the beginning, I was obviously quite naive, you know, and I was just sort of doling out things and I thought they would do good things with it. And I realized very soon, you know, no, don't assume that just because you give something to someone, they're, they're, they're making something with it, you know. So now we have our requirements. You know, a lot of NGOs, they, they teach you what to do. It, but it's like I teach you to fish and I don't give you the, the what's that? Means. The means, the, yeah. the, 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 the root, the, the angle, right? To catch the fish. You have to then, you know, once you teach them, you have to then also give them the tool that they need. You know, like with the soap making. Yes, I can give them money to buy the ingredients, but we just learned that our one of our people, the mold that you need to put the soap in and to, to make it broke or wasn't there or whatever. They needed the mold and we kind of like, okay, I get it. You know, you need the mold. We can't just teach you how to make soap and give you money to buy the ingredients. You need that mold and, and you know, that's important. So, yeah, you have to, I always tell people, Every problem in Cameroon, you know, you see one problem and you try to address it and help out with it and, and five other holes open up <laughs> just to get to this one place, you know, you, you stumble over all these other things. And it's it's fascinating. I That's why I love my job. You know, I have more problems and I love problems. As a scientist, right, we have a positive relationship with problems. It's not something that we run away from. It's kind of like, yeah, there's a problem. <laughs> Let me go fix it, you know. And, um, and that gets us to the other topic, which is the people that are volunteering and the people that are helping here in the U.S. and also in Cameroon, right? And for me, I didn't know when I started AIDS Free Africa how much joy I would get out of having volunteers work with me. It's It has its own challenge, you know, like one of my jobs really is when the volunteer comes and says, oh, I want to do this and this, sometimes it doesn't fit. The volunteer themselves don't quite know where to fit themselves in. And it's kind of my job to nudge them into a place where they're happy, where they're productive, you know, where they know their life makes sense and their efforts make sense. And it helps us and it helps our constituents, the Cameroonians, right? So it is so amazing for me to run an organization for 15 years purely on, on volunteers. 
How has the chemistry network played a role in making AIDS Free Africa the organization that it is today? You know, I'm I'm a big uh, I I run around I talk to everyone and uh, I'm a, a member since 1993 of the American Chemical Society. I am the local chairperson for the local chapter. You know, so people know me. And when we started, we were five chemists. The board of us, the board of directors, we were five chemists, right? All five of us. Here we go because this is the people I knew back then. You know. Mostly I was, was hanging out with chemists. We eventually added a lawyer, which was really great because, you know, getting all this, these documents written and making sure that we didn't do anything really bad and against the law, you know, the lawyer was good. Um, there was a big law firm in, in uh, New York City that um, volunteered for us. And I am on the board of directors of Chemists Without Borders. And that organization was also uh, started a year before I did. So Bigo Gerber and I, we got together very soon because we both wrote articles in the chemical engineering news new, newspaper. And we read each other's articles and he called me and he said, Rolanda, we should meet and we should know each other, you know? So it was just a wild story. And we're he is still on his board, I'm on his board, you know, and we work together. Um, when we exchange volunteers, right? Some of the volunteers we have, uh, they volunteer for both organizations. And some of my volunteers coordinate, like especially, you know, the Twitter and the social media and all the stuff. And finally, as I touched on in the intro, one of the central ideas for the show moving forward is analyzing what it means to engage in humanitarian causes. And if you were to maybe describe how you have defined humanitarian engagement for yourself and what it's meant to you, you know, for your career. Let me start with the volunteers. Our volunteers come to us, many of them, not all, but many of them come and they communicate a desire to have something in their lives that gives them meaning. A lot of volunteers look for meaning. You know, what is it I can do that is not me? You know, like Rotary has the slogan that says, you know, service above self. I personally believe that true happiness is if you start not trying to help yourself, but if you when you start helping others and not for the reason of your own me, 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 you know, it's. The volunteers, the first thing that totally surprises them is how happy people in Cameroon are. There is a happiness in the in the in this in the people, and that's something that you know attracts me and keeps me in Cameroon, to be honest, because I've specifically find this in Cameroon. There is such a happiness, you know, and, and one of my her name is Eunice, one of my hostesses, she said to me, she said, Doctor, I wake up in the morning. I see that I'm still alive, I'm happy. Because I tell you, Cameroonians go to bed at night, they do not know if they wake up the next morning. And a lot of them do not wake up. And it for me personally, but this is me, right? I'm a scientist. So as a scientist, I'm not in Africa for these pure humanitarian ideas like saving lives, really not, right? I. What makes me happy is to see people 
being taught science, to see people being taught skills that they can use that are productive. You know, as a German, we have a very strong apprenticeship system, right? Most people of us, I'm a, I'm a laboratory technician. That's my first education, right, in Germany before I ever went to the university. So we are very practical. And and in Cameroon, the level is there, you know, this is, this is something that is useful. And, you know, the country, 70% of the people are below 20 years of age, you know, it's a very young population and they need jobs. They come out of schools, you know, and they're kind of like, what do I do? You know, we, we published a 10 series podcast uh, last summer, and I don't know if you can link them. I'm not the social media. I, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you look yeah. at the Africa podcast, you'll find it. It's on our website too. Well, Dr. Rolande, it, it's been it's been such an honor to have you on the show and, and have you share your story and share your journey and your career and really tell us, you know, how your organization has adapted and, and changed in the last 15 years. So we would love to have you on the show another time maybe, and it really means a great deal to us that you could take the time to be here today. Thanks for sticking with us through this episode of 20 Minutes a Day. This podcast has been a Chemists Without Borders production. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ChemWithoutB, and please subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us if you leave a review and helps make our show more visible to future listeners. Thank you.